Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Um, I've got my coffee. My coffee cup is full of my No Bad Days beverage. Third one, and I am seconds away from brilliance. Want to give a quick shout out to uh, Chicken Picks, ET Guitars, and Summer Cable for sponsoring the show. Um, got some giveaways coming up soon. Uh, over on my Chit Chats with GitCats Facebook group. I'm doing the group thing. You don't fool me, Facebook. Ooh. Group, yes, because you don't have to pay money to get reach. I'm on to you, Zuckerberg. Oh, and there, I can hear somebody outside. Who the hell is that? Ding dong. It is Mr. Dave Friedman. Hey, Dave. Hey. <laughs> We're having a little, uh, a little joke that you have done this once or twice before. Yes. <laughs> With your own show, up to 101 episodes times. now? It, well, no. Actually, uh, well, it would be 101 times with my show, but I've done other people's shows too. So that's that's probably more like, yeah, that's that's way up there now. Old old hat, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm not scared. You're not scared? No. I, I used to be. I used to totally be freaked out by this. And I was saying to you before that it was episode 20. With you and Mark from Tone Talk, uh, halfway into that, where I ran out of questions and just went, "Fuck it, I know these guys." Just chat as you normally would, and it yeah. it's just flowed ever since, Ben. And so I I thank you for the encouragement well, along the way. Well, I often say that you know it's it's it uh, it has to flow. Uh, yeah. If it if it doesn't flow, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if you if you get on a show and you start doing a show and you realize, wow, this is not not flowing right. <laughs> Um, you're starting to look at your watch, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I've had one unpleasant one to do, and that was with somebody who isn't that well-known outside of his own country or Australia, uh, and I, who wouldn't talk to me before we went live. Uh, his wife was doing all the, the talking behind the camera, and she said to me, any longer than half an hour, half an hour he's just going to walk out. I'm just like, oh. Okay, so I couldn't do the usual just just talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just awkward. Sure. That was awkward. But the one thing I do do is, as I said to you, I've got my little whiteboard here. I might take some notes as we're going. But I generally ask the guests, what started the love affair with the electric guitar? How did that all start out for you, mate? It's a very good question. Um, you, you, you asked me that a little bit earlier before we went on, and, and I started thinking about that. And it's hard to pinpoint exactly, but I, I do think uh, a friend of mine uh, that I grew up with that what would I consider my, I didn't have a brother, but I would consider him my brother, um, played guitar first. And, and him and his family were sort of the music conduit kind of because we were together all the time, you know. So we were discovering like these bands and discovering things, you know, and um, he, uh, he he had older sisters and and they they you know they they were coming well I mean so this was you know we we were growing up in the eighties right so the sisters were older so there she was kind of coming out of the seventies so you know like you know Led Zeppelin and 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 different seventies uh, influenced bands and stuff kind of came into play. But I, I mean, I guess that's where it kind of all started. 
Um, it, it's hard to pinpoint, though. I, I, I don't have that definitive answer for you. I do remember um, when I was a kid, some of the first I had, I got a stereo, I remember. And I, and I don't know the timeline when I got the stereo, if I got it before I met my friend or during. And I remember, you know, wanted, I, oh, so the stereo had, you know, vinyl player or an eight track player. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> right. So, so I remember having, having some of both. And I remember like there was, a, I had an Elton John greatest hits record. And I remember I had uh, uh, Aerosmith toys in the attic record. And uh, on a track, I think there was Blondie uh, and some other questionable things probably. Uh but I just remember, I remember the, the, those records first. Yeah. And what appealed you to know? you about those records? What, the, the sound of those records? Were you? I don't know. I mean, I, 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 see, I wish I could actually remember why I even got those records. You know, like yeah. I, someone must have somehow knew about this somehow yeah. or yeah. something. And I don't remember that. I just don't. I it was pretty young. I mean, I, you know, it's probably 10 years old or something, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, maybe younger. And when did you start playing guitar? That's another thing that I don't remember. You, um, yeah, you I just always played around fourteen, maybe. Mm -hmm. Somewhere around when I was fourteen, maybe, maybe, yeah, fourteen-ish. And was that uh, your mate that you said that had the older sisters? Was that was he a, a player as well? Did you guys? Start yes, playing he together? started yeah. playing first. Yeah, yeah. He started playing guitar first. So, yeah. So, we, you know, we were the dynamic duo, so to speak, uh, you know. And, uh, um, yeah, we were in bands together and we went to all the concerts together and, you know, every everything. Were you the lead yeah. or the rhythm guy? I don't know if either of us was either at the time. Uh, yeah. I, I, well, I was probably uh, – he was more experienced of a player and a better player than I was. So I would say he would be more of the lead guy, but but um, I was probably more of the rhythm guy with a little bit of lead. Yeah, so. cool. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, awesome. But he always had better technique than I did, so it was just he he just had kind of a natural knack for it. And self taught, or did you get lessons? Uh, self taught. Yeah, myself. Yeah. Although it's funny, uh, my friend actually became a, a teacher later. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And did you have like a, a keen ear for it back then? Like just for the sound of your amps and Yeah, and, and you know, early on, um I mean I would say all my heroes, I was very interested in how their guitar sound. What the what was their guitar sound? You know, what why did I like this guitar sound? You know, be it be it like Angus Young or um, be it uh, Eddie Van Halen or 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 Black Sabbath or the uh, endless list of players. You know, I was very intrigued by how how do you get that tone? How do you how do they get that tone? How yeah. what is it that makes that tone? And um, you know, in my life, I was always the guy that was like always intrigued. By how how does it work? How even when I was into bicycles when I was a kid, 
like BMX things and stuff that I was heavily into. Um, you know, that uh, I, I knew how to take it apart and put it back together and strip it down and build it. And, you know, that's, that was just me that I had, I have to know, I have to know everything. Yeah. I gotta say, I, I did the same thing, man. When I first got an electric guitar, uh, first thing I did was get a screwdriver out and pull the bloody thing apart to find out what was it. Yeah, <laughs> how this work. how this Strat copy worked. I've still got the body of it over there. I, I want to um, restore it and get it working again. But yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, I can remember my my mum yeah. um, got a job scrubbing toilets somewhere so she could buy me a, a guitar. And uh, first thing I did was pull the fucking thing apart, and she was just like, "What have yeah. you done?" <laughs> yeah, and then when I striped it like eddie van halen oh my god you know like she was just like what have you what have you done to this beautiful sunburst guitar but that's yeah, how you learn well, isn't it yeah. Sorry, you've got mom. an inquisitive mind <laughs> so so but- yeah so you know i was i was i was always always curious always trying stuff to try to get the tones of like those guys you know yeah. like how what amp do i have to get what do i have to do oh i like the sound of his sound Maybe I'll get that. Oh, that doesn't work for me. Okay, wait. I don't know. You know, it took a lot of years to figure it out. And what what was your first amp? Very first amp with a, a, a Fender Silverface Deluxe Reverb. Nice, nice. Uh, early Silverface, and then I had a, a Fender like er, um, maybe late sixties or early seventies uh, Fender Music Master guitar. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Neck pickup kind of thing. Yep. And then a, a plastic MXR overdrive pedal. The cool. years ago, there was this plastic series that they did. Yeah. And a uh, and, wow, piece of junk. But, uh, but yeah. And I wish I still had that amp. <laughs> Just, I mean, now, now I wish I had that amp. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I did. I, I do actually have the overdrive pedal. Oh, cool. Cool. Uh, well, it's not the original one, but I later... Uh, out of nostalgia bought one yeah you know it's like i don't remember what this sounds like let me hear it again and then then i went down this road of buying all the whole series of pedals from the plastic era oh really yeah (laughs) phaser flanger yeah there's a booster with a tone knob and they actually all sound really good they're just really pieces of junk but yeah you you can get them working they're they're good cool you don't stomp on though and, and were you? Did you start gigging? Were you a gigging musician? Did you start at a young age? It wasn't really a gigging. I mean, we had, I had bands. We did bands, and yep. then I, I did play, uh, you know, out and with uh, you know an original band, you know, with some covers thrown in um, for a little bit. Yeah, but it wasn't like I was a, a gigging musician doing cover band or something like that. No. Yeah. Okay. And then I, then I moved to California when I was eighteen. So, okay. So, I know you had Bruce Egnator as a as a mentor for you uh, in the early days of tweaking with amps and things. Mm-hmm. Um, was that back in Detroit still? No, I knew Bruce back in Detroit, and I had some stuff done by Bruce in Detroit, some modifications and things. Because again, I was always like on the quest to find, you know, the perfect amp. You know. And uh, and never quite getting it. It, t- it took years to really hone that in. So 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 I can actually tell you that lineage. So I remember having uh, the Silverface Fender, right? Yep. And then uh, I, I I'm not going to talk about guitars because I don't really remember the lineage of that. Yep. But 
then the next amp, I wanted distortion. So the next amp that I had, right, was a PV solid state renown amp. It was a 212 combo. But it distorted because my friend had a, a PV. It was a 112 combo, same era kind of um, bandit or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, you know, it's distorted. You know, hey, it's getting distortion. Great. Yeah. You know, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's horrible. <laughs> I had something similar in there. They would. They it, were it, it's just horrible. <laughs> uh, and, and then, you know, then there was, there was a couple different things after that. Like I hadn't, I had I went to an orange half stack, like an old orange. Yep. Which was super cool, but it was a very clean amp, and it wasn't really getting distortion. And then you, then you, you know, you're trying distortion pedals, you know, to to make it, you know, like um, I remember Ibanez Sonic Distortion and a Tube Screamer. I had, I remember I had both, and like if you kind of, you know, put them both together, they would kind of get, you know, some high gain rock distortion, you know. I remember having a Music Man amp too somewhere, which was again clean and not. Yeah best choice maybe with an ampeg cabinet or something yep and uh and then uh yeah yeah from there hmm oh i had a laney that bruce eggnator modified a laney um like a a pro tube lead head which was basically a jcm 800 amp but then bruce added some mods to it still wasn't happy with that and uh Eventually, I got I got an amp that was modded by Dan Russell, who made nailer amps, and uh, I loved this amp, and I actually wish I still had it. And then I remember having Bruce copy one of these amps, and for me on a different like Plexi fifty that I had, and that was great too. Of course, I don't have that one either, and and then I moved to California. And I still had those amps here, uh, or at least one of those amps. And uh, and then from there, I got you know I, I had bought a bunch of old Marshalls off someone that was getting out of them before I moved. And I then I had Jose Arredondo modify an amp for me when I first moved here, probably nineteen eighty eight. Um, still wasn't totally happy with that either. Yeah. <laughs> Never-ending quest, mate. Never-ending yeah, quest. It was, it was a never-ending quest, and and finally, how it ended with I had a I uh, my friend who I grew up with called me and said, "Hey, you know, I, I know this guy selling this old plexiglass fifty-watt Marshall. You want to buy it?" I go, "Yeah, three hundred dollars." Uh yeah, it was three hundred dollars at the time. Wow! I mean, this must have been this must have been nineteen eighty nine or something. Yeah, uh, or ninety or something like that. And um, I got it for three hundred dollars. I proceeded to have Reinhold Bogner modify it because I had a twenty watt head that he had modified that sounded glorious, and the fifty watt never sounded like that at all. Like it didn't sound the same at all. And so Stevie Fryette returned it to stock and then i used to use that amp into a uh, a dummy load that bruce Egg a reactive dummy load that bruce eggnator built for me and into another 100 watt marshall power section 
uh, just as a power amp. Yep. And that is when I finally had the sound I wanted. Cool. So, and that I still have, and it's still actually somewhat behind me on top of the Marshall to the, I don't know, to my shoulder there. Yep. It's, I still have it. So. Okay. I did ask and you that, a couple of years ago. the whole ago, Friedman line is based off that amp. That I, I did ask you a couple of years ago when we were in Germany um, yeah. what inspired the sound that you hear in your head, and you, you brought yeah. up that amp. Yeah. And you still got it. That's good. Yeah, I still got it. And that's the, that's the kind of the, the short story of all the – Sure, the, sure. The, the lineage of it. Yeah. So you said you moved to, to LA in 88. What what prompted that? I'd been 87, actually. But, uh, uh, well, I wanted music, music industry. Yeah. You know, be in a band, do something in LA, you know. Just yeah. Everyone's doing stuff in LA. It's happening, you know. So at that point, you weren't set on being an amp guy. You were still looking at maybe oh, being yeah, a player. Oh, no, I wasn't, I wasn't an amp guy at all then. Yeah. I mean, I had my curiosities about it, but I wasn't an amp guy at all, no. Yeah, right. And then, and then I worked for um, – I went to work – right away, I went to work for Andy Brower Studio Rentals, who would do cartage and everything for every studio musician known to mankind, Dan Huff, Steve Lukather, everything, moving their gear around and stuff. And um, how I started my old whole career was uh, he had a guy that was making uh, – rack systems for people and he was leaving the company and i had been watching him what he was doing and i was a handy guy you know and i I had been watching him and i'm like hey you know i think i can do what what mike was doing there and uh for you and i started i just dove in and started doing it and uh and that's how i started my whole career wow wow so did you have much of a background in electronics before that, or was it just one of those? No, no, none. Learn what you need to know on the job. Learn what you need to know for the job, yeah. Yep, yep. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, self-taught. Yeah. You and, know, then, th- and, then, and then, you know, the how that went, I mean, I did that, and I was, you know, majority of my career was doing rigs for people. Yep. And um, early on, uh, I had I was doing a rig for a guitar player named Randy Jacobs who was in the band was not was with Don was. And uh, he had this Soldano preamp that Bruce had modified. And this preamp sounded like God. It was amazing sounding. And I called Bruce because he remembered me from before. And I called him and contacted him and I go, Hey, we should do something. There's a market for this in LA. You should make, here's what you should make. Should make a four-channel preamp, clean, broken-up fender, like super reverb, broken-up kind of thing. The hot-rodded Plexius Marshall, and the and then something a little beyond that, you know, a little more hot rod. And, uh, and, and let's make a four-channel preamp. So we became partners, and he made the first four-channel preamp. And during this time is when I was starting to work with him and learning about stuff and tweaking stuff and and uh, and i helped tweak that original preamp to what it became and it became a very huge studio favorite out here for all the the guys you know and we sold a bunch of them and that was the infamous ie4 yeah correct Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. yeah i see bruce is re-releasing one of those soon 
Yeah, yeah. Eventually, I think it'll come out. Yeah. I've got my eye on one when it does, mate. Um, been going down a bit of a, a rabbit hole of trying to find uh, a good, usable, versatile setup for, for me to play. Um, now, you mentioned the the mod of the, the Soldano. Do you, what Soldano preamp was it? It was a X88R uh, preamp that uh, Bruce had modified the center channel, second channel. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I got. I just got a uh, Soldano SP77, which is sitting right there. Mm-hmm. And just not quite gelling with it, man. Like the high gain channel, I'm, I'm used to Soldano being a really tight focus kind of sound, and that one's a little bit loose. I'm just wondering. I don't know. Soldano's not a very tight sound, to be honest. It, it's always been kind of loose. It yeah. just, it, uh, the, the, the key with even like an old Soldano head was you had to run the gain down around five or six because mm. it has this bright cap across the gain pot and that gives you all the cut and the tightness. If you run it up, it's totally flubby. Well, that's exactly what's happening with this. And I've, I've got a friend who's got an SLO 100 and I, I borrow that now and then and fuck, that just sounds glorious. But again, oh, I don't run that past is six. Is older, older SLO? It is, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it should be, I mean... There might be a couple of little mods you could do. Yeah, I might have a chat to you about that and see if there's something yeah. I can do to this before getting rid of it. Um, because That's actually I, probably something very simple you can do. Yeah. That would that would tighten it up, yeah. Awesome, awesome. I'm going to pick your brains about that. So um, you mentioned you worked for Andy Brower's Studio Rentals. Man, what yes. a cool gig. Like, seriously, there's a lot of guys on forums that just, talk the shit who have never played through the amps that they're recommending to people, but right. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, this is what I always say. So, so the library that I received when I was a young kid, um, because at that point in time, that was the pinnacle of studio instrument rental companies. And, um, I mean, when I, when you, when you went in the front showroom, right. (laughs) You, you would just look and you're like, there's every blackface fender starting Princeton deluxe, uh, uh, pro Vibralux, you know, uh, super twin. Oh, there's the tweeds. There's the champ, the like Harvard, the deluxe, the, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Oh, over here, Vox. Okay. We got all these Voxes and you have high watt and you have, Vintage Plexi Marshall, you have other 70s Marshalls, you have modified Marshalls, Soldano, Jose, Lee Jackson. Um, don't remember who else. Uh, and you have, you know, old Fender basement heads, and you have every cabinet known to mankind with every kind of speaker in it. Um, same thing with guitars. I mean, you have here, there's four vintage 60s Fender Strats on the wall. There's a 57 Strat. There's a 68 Les Paul Gold Top. There's just you know, Fender electric 12-string from the, you know, Candy Apple Red, you, you know, uh, Rickenbacker, uh, you name it. So what that does, dumbles everything. Yeah. Yep. So you, you wind up hearing everything. Because generally speaking, if it went out on a rental, it comes back, 
and you have to check it in. Checking in is checking every function of the amp, playing through it. You have to check all this stuff in. So you get really well versed in what each of these amps sound like. I bet. You know, oh, Tweet Deluxe. I know exactly in my head. I know exactly what that sounds like. I know the Voxes, uh, the high watts. So I've been around this stuff since I was 18 years old. And I, and I had already had some cool amps. I already had some plexis and some things. I already knew oranges, and I already kind of was in that, you know, headspace when I first started working for them. And, uh, you know, I mean, what a – because, you know, someone says, oh, it doesn't sound like a plexi. I don't know. What, what does a plexi sound like? Do you know? And, and, and better yet, which plexi? Exactly. Exactly. A 50-watt lead series or a 100-watt a, a lead series sounds a lot different than a super bass or sounds a lot different than a JTM 45. Mm. All these amps sound radically different. Yes, they're all plexi, but they, you know, what What are you talking about? You exactly. And, uh, and, and, yeah, so, so, it's, so it's interesting, you know. And, and you, you saw, like, new amps coming and because later – from the Andy Browers gig, it turned into Andy Browers making music, which was a high-end retail store that he was partners with a guy named Greg Bales, and who had a store in Chicago called Making Music, and uh, it was a high-end retail store. So we started doing high-end retail, so selling Boogie, selling Soldano, selling uh, later Eggnator, and you know all this stuff. So then we had the retail side too. So I was well versed in that too because I started working for them later. Man, I'm glad you brought up the whole plexi thing. Uh, of what are you talking to Super Lead? You're talking to JTM45 because that's that's one thing I see all these guys on forums and they're all saying, "Yeah, I'm looking for a plexi sound." Or that one sounds like a plexi. And I'm, I'm, I'm been thinking which, which particular plexi, just because. Uh, a particular amp era had a piece of uh, a plexiglass across the front panel doesn't define the sound. Um, and I've had that theory for a while, and I say that to some people, and they sort of look at me like, yeah, fucking snob. But to hear you say that is like, thank you. That just reaffirmed exactly what I was thinking. Well, yeah, JTM45 is very different. Uh, let's just lump it into JTM45 and uh, lead spec. Uh, 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 JTM 45 is more bass spec, so to speak. Uh, it's going to be a lot looser sounding. You're going to turn the bass off or at two. You're going to, you're going to turn everything else like up really loud. Yeah. Right. And, you, know, you might not run the volume at 10. You might run it at eight or something and, you know, or six and, uh, it'll be a great sound, but it's more like a Fender basement 410 basement. You know, that's what, that's what it was sort of copied after. Yeah. It's a little loose, you know? It's yep. it's a uh, uh, it, it's a great sound though if you're doing like an Angus kind of thing or something like that yeah it's great yeah. cool so but when you were doing the eras of amps that you know that were even a Plexi fifty some of them had like a base spec so it was almost like a JTM forty five it still had a lot of low end in the preamp um, but it didn't have a tube rectifier and stuff so so lead spec came kind of later when it that was more bright and less low end and tighter and so yeah okay. what are you so, talking about uh, what kind of sound is is plexi mean jimmy hendrix plexi mean angus 
plexamine Eddie Van Halen. Exactly. That's how, that's or, how I kind of can categorize it. Or even Malcolm. When people say, I want to sound like ACDC, yeah, I go, Angus or Malcolm? Because to me, Malcolm had that awe kind of sound, whereas Angus was more E, uh, just mm-hmm. frequency-wise, and put it together, combined, you, it's, it's a big fucking sound. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So- Back when you were uh, at Andy Brow, what was the most popular amp that everybody uh, wanted at the studios? Uh, you know, probably a lot of modded amps at the time. Yep. A lot of modded amps. Soldano Mod was really popular. Jose was relatively popular. Um the Lee Jackson occasionally, not not like excessively popular. Um, I mean, they rented vintage, the vintage like Plexi kind of amp too, and and stuff like that. Uh, a vast majority of amps, vintage thirty cabinets mostly at yep. that point in time. Yep. Vintage thirty loaded uh, Marshalls, but they also had vintage cabinets that were you know greenbacks and different things. But I mean, the vintage thirties probably got the most use. Okay. <coughs> as far as that goes. Yep. Um, cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, boxes, you know, things, you know, fenders, blackface yep. fenders. Yep. Depends on the style of music. And how long were you doing that for? Oh, this would be from like maybe late '87, and and then I still worked for making music. Although making music eventually parted ways with Andy until around '93. Cool. Ish. Cool. Area, I think. Yeah. Three ninety four, something like that. Okay. So I first came across you um, when you were operating under the Rack Systems brand. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And you were doing rigs to the stars back then, mostly setting up their their the racks. And man, I've seen your wiring in the back of those, and it's immaculate. I tell people it's like looking at a a subway. Um, uh, program with all the lines and everything everything's just yeah. all separated yeah. there's the power there's the there's the audio um how did you go from andy brower to doing that well i mean I, like i said i started at andy brower's doing it and then i was doing it for making music through you know the early 90s and okay. then eventually i do believe i was fired from making music um and i don't totally remember why at this point in time some political deal it was the haircut man it was the haircut going <laughs> i had long hair then <laughs> um and um but it's the best thing that ever happened to me because it just you know forced me i'm oh, i'm just gonna go do it on my own i had yep. the clients i mean they weren't gonna follow them they're gonna follow me so, cool. you know, off, off to the races I went. Yep. So when I, myself ever since. Cool. That's the way. Yeah. That's living the dream as they say, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the whole rack thing, um, were you doing the modifications to Marshall's at the same time? Because I also knew you were doing the racks, but the brown eye mod, you could take a Marshall to- style. No, that was later. Do- that was much, much, much later. Through, was it? Uh, primarily, primarily through the 90s, I wasn't doing uh, – I mean, I had been involved with Eggnator um, through 
whenever, whatever year he went to Rocktron, that's when my relationship with him ended with Eggnator. That was sometime in the nineties. I don't remember exactly when. Okay. Um, I wasn't really doing any mods then. It was it was late. I mean, I might have done a couple later nineties, but I didn't really start doing the amps thing to more like around the two thousands. Okay. Um. And I did a run of these naked. It started with I built some custom amps for Billy Howardell from Perfect Circle. Cool. And uh, that became my naked amp that I did for a while. And uh, I built uh, some small runs of those. Mostly they went to Japan and a few artists. And uh, all by hand, everything by hand. Drilling the chassis by hand. Yeah. And um, you know, I did that. I did a few runs of that. And it was, you know, this was a time when it was not really, it's not, it wasn't easy to, to, uh, you know, it wasn't like now, now you have the internet full, full fledged, you know, YouTube, everything you can, you can promote something. Yeah. When I started doing those amps and stuff, it was like, yeah, no, not really. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. I mean, there was the internet and it was starting to be a thing and starting to be around, but not, not like now, so you know, you say you, you did a lot of work with, um, with Bruce Agnader, uh, who was a bit of a mentor to you. Yeah. What did you learn from Bruce? I'm going to ask you that question and just quickly duck off my back in, in 30 seconds as I, as I warned you, but what did you learn from Bruce? Everything, you know, um, uh, what did I learn from Bruce? I mean, you know, just, uh, uh, general electronics knowledge, you know, I learned from Bruce, um, uh, you know, how to tweak circuits, how to, what, what, this capacitor does and if you change this value what it does and um um all that so he really was you know the the mentor uh to me electronically it's funny thing he said that um his mentor was paul rivera so to speak um you know and uh, it's kind of funny he said that one time and then i'm like going well you were my mentor so it was like it's kind of passed down over time you know and uh you know it was a great it was a great time it was great to learn from him and that was uh, he's still a good friend to this day you know now the really sucky thing about me having to duck off like that is i totally missed what you had to say (laughs) (laughs) and that means i'm gonna have to go back and i'm really interested to hear the answer to that and I detest watching myself back on these things. I don't know about you with your with tone tool. Do you actually watch yourself, man? No, never. No, no. I never watch the show after it's done ever. Yeah, yeah. I will never. If somebody says, "Oh, geez, the the echo was really bad" or something, I might go and just drop in and have have a listen to ten seconds of it. But yeah, no, it's <laughs> absolute torture. Absolute torture. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. You mentioned Billy Howardell's amp. How did that come about? Did he? Did you know Billy beforehand? Yes, I, I knew Billy when he was a guitar tech. He was a guitar tech for Nine Inch Nails and a guitar tech uh, for Guns N' Roses. And um, I knew when he was a guitar tech. I remember sitting, listening in his old BMW, sitting there listening to the the, the first Perfect Circle record before it was released. And uh, it was just stunning, you know. It was amazing. 
And uh, so how did that amp come about? It kind of came about because originally he really loved this nailer amp that uh, we had been selling and, and doing things with. And he really loved this nailer amp, but he wanted me, could, could I modify his Marshall to be something like that? And so I modified his Marshall to be something like the nailer front end, but with some, still some Marshall attributes in it. So, uh, you know, not exactly, not exactly verbatim the whole amp. And was that based on, you mentioned you had a nailer. Was that roughly based on that? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. I had done work for the nailer company, but by that point in time, I was, uh, I had, uh, on the, uh, he, they had a, um, hmm, see, so there was a SuperDrive 60, and then there was the Dual 60. I, I'm the one that came up with the clean channel for that and added that, and it became the Dual 60 amplifier because they wanted a channel switching amp and I, I became friends with the owner at the time, which was named Kyle Kurtz. And, uh, and yeah, but I, I mean, I had sold nailer amps to a ton of people in LA. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. So the naked amp that you built for, for Billy, um, if the front end is more like the nailer, uh, nothing like your typical brown eye design. No, 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 not at all. Completely different. The front end essentially is a, a version of a of a nailer uh, circuit. Um, I mean, it's kind of evolved over the years a little bit. I've I've in recent years I've kind of done some updates and some tweaks to it. Um, and I was uh, going to be building a few of them for some people. It's not in our product. It's not in our line anymore. So hasn't been for a long time. Okay, but do you build the occasional one if somebody wants one? I'm building a run of them that's coming up um, that uh, I have been in the process of building for a while. Uh, but then, you know, the pandemic happened and then short supply of items and things. But I have all the head boxes to build them with. And I, you know, I'm, I'm going to start here. They'll all be done by the end of the year. Okay. Okay. Now, you said that when you first started, how you were you you drilled even you know the chassis yourself and everything um yeah. now you're licensed to boutique amps distribution uh mm -hmm. so you how does that work mate you design and then they build to your spec boutique amps distribution uh we're, we're a licensed company uh so i i still design everything they they do the manufacturing uh marketing and sales of the products um, with their distribution network. Um, I'm very involved though. It's like a partnership, so to speak. So I'm, I, my amps are made the way I want them to be made period. Like, you know, that every choice is mine. Yeah. Um, and I'm down there a couple times a week, you know, uh, testing, testing amps, uh, every amp that leaves, I test. So, cool. Yeah. And I sign, actually. Nice, nice. Every, every feedback app is signed or initialed by me. You know, it, it's one thing I've noticed um, on your Facebook groups uh, and pages is uh, people always saying that when they email Friedman for tech support, it's always you that 
gets back to them and people are blown away by that. I'm the tech support. You are the tech support. Yeah. 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 Period. <laughs> the man with the short, sharp I mean, answers. I mean, well, how, you know, people go, well, don't you have someone that do that for you and this and that? And I go, okay, here's how this is going to work. So someone else does this for me, right? They're going to get a question. They're not going to know the answer. If they don't know the answer, they're going to come to me. Then they're going to ask me the question. And then I'm going to have to tell them. Then they have to reiterate that to the customer, which they might get wrong. And and I find this process ridiculous. Yeah. It's quicker if I just answer the customer. Yep. Now, if I need to pass off like, hey, this guy needs to get sent this capacitor or this guy needs this part or this that. I do have people that will help you know help me facilitate that stuff. So I and I then after I talk to them, I then pass it off. If it's going to come in for an RA, I pass it off to my my guy Vlad, who who handles uh, all the RAs and all the parts and things like that. So, um, but yeah. So if you email Friedman, you get me first. Cool, cool. Period. Yeah. As long as you email the right email address. <laughs> That's good, if man. You email I... sales. You're going to get our sales guy. Sure. Don't email sales. Email FriedmanAmps at gmail .com and that's what you're going to get me. Yep. And then, and like you said, the groups, I, I, I look at the groups all the time. So I, I mean, chances are, if, you know, I, I have to say people, please just send me an email first because if you post it in the group, you're going to get 50 wrong answers until I answer. Yeah. And you're going to have to read through all this stuff and, and almost all of them are ridiculous and wrong. So don't, <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> Listen, they don't know. Dave, I've got a question for you. Um, I had Scott Henderson on last week, and he was talking about he runs a, a wet and dry setup. And I've been aware of, of many years of people running the wet, dry, wet rig. Mm -hmm. Now, he was telling me that his setup, he has one amp completely dry, and the other one just affects. So, just the delays, yeah. just the reverbs. When people right. are talking wet dry wet rigs, I didn't realize that the outer two cabs is that a hundred percent just delay and reverb. Mm, depends on what artist you were talking about. Okay, okay. Generally speaking, no. That's what I thought. So the artists that you're talking about are like Eddie Van Halen, uh, you know, uh, Steve Stevens. Uh, 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 Joe Holmes or, 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 you know, any of these guys and that George Lynch, even now, uh, that is, there's dry in that other cabinet. So if you turn the effects off, so let's say even a wet dry, if you turn the effects off, both cabinets are equal volume dry. You add the effect, it just comes on in the one cabinet with the dry. Um, that's the, the, the rock way to do it. Okay. Yeah, that's like the hard rock way to do it. Yeah. Yes, you can you can do it the other way, which is you have a dry cabinet and then the wet cabinet you have, you can almost have anything, like a little tiny cabinet. And you can even have a very low-powered power amp too because uh, it doesn't need much because you're only going to add 
a little bit of the effect in, and it's 100% wet. It's a good way also, but um, that's not the kind of the rock way to do it. Okay, cool. But when you do a setup like that and you do have dry in the outside cabinets, you, you have to be sure that whatever effects you're using or you need a mixer, uh, that you need to make sure that the dry does not pass into the digital domain. Because if it does, it's there's latency. And so your rig will sound out of phase. Uh-huh. Because your 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 wet cabinet, the dry, you know, technically the dry signal in the wet cabinet is slightly delayed, you know, from your from your dry cabinet. If you have an analog if it's in an analog domain, not that's not the case. So like, you know, old delays like an old roll in SDE three thousand, the dry is an analog it stays in an analog domain. It doesn't pass through an A to D and D to A. Okay. Uh, newer things like a H nine passes straight through, you know, like it, 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 there's no, there's, it's not analog. Strymon things are, have an analog dry path. Boss DD 500s have an analog dry path. Um, but there's a lot of things that don't. So once you get that going, it's going to sound all, all the whole, a whole mess of fucked up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I never really thought of that. That might yeah. explain. I did see somewhere that you, we're saying, I'm not sure if this is related, that you prefer analog delays in front of your amp and digital in the effects loop. Now that's got no... Not related. Not related, uh, is it? But an analog delay, yes, I prefer it in front of an amp. Why is that? It's really where it was intended to go in the first place. Yeah, and you don't mind the repeats and, being and all the sounds, all the sounds that you're emulating with it were done that way. Yeah. It's not to say that you couldn't, but generally speaking, analog delay in a loop sounds really dark, extremely dark, like almost unusable dark. Uh huh. Yeah. So speaking of loops, like everyone says that your loops sound amazing. Uh, did you spend a lot of time sort of coming up with something that was as close to transparent as you could get? Yeah, I mean it. It was. It's a modified version. Uh, there was something done for Metropolis amps years ago called a zero loss effects loop, and the design designer was a guy named Steve Miller originally. And the effects loop originally got licensed to us to use, but then over the years, I actually modified it and changed it a little bit. So now it's it's kind of slightly different from the original version. So it's kind of my thing now. Um, so, um, yeah, I just tweaked on it over, over time, you know, made some improvements on it and stuff and it's, it's really transparent. So cool. Cool. You know, is it the ideal effects loop? Is anything the ideal effects loop? I don't know. You know, uh, you could argue all sorts of points in all directions for any kind of effects loop. Um, uh, but, uh, it works really well and generally people seem to love it. Nice. Nice. Right. Now, one thing about your amps too, Dave, is, and I've, I've talked to you about this before, so I know the answer before we even start, but um, your amps sound great at, at all volumes. You, it's not one of those amps that, oh, just wait, you got to turn it up to seven and fuck, you start sounding good, but by that time you're blowing out the windows. When I had yeah. the uh, Friedman small box, I'd sit around playing that at home at apartment, at apartment levels, and it just sounded fucking 
Awesome, man. How do you yeah. achieve that? Well, you know, I always, I was, how do I achieve that? Okay. So a lot of times there's a big buildup in low end in preamps that people design. And I'm kind of the opposite. I like to keep the low end out of the preamp and have a little bit more low end in the power section. Um, generally, when you're cascading gain stages, if you, if you start cascading too much low end on the front end, it just starts getting sloppy. And it, it's, it's almost not only like loose, but slow, not quick. Um, so that's one thing. And then I also, when I'm listening to this stuff, I, I generally do it at a kind of a relatively quiet volume. And I want it to sound like a big blown up amp, but at a quiet volume. And if I always say, if you, if you look at it like mixing a record, if you mix at low volumes and get all your balances and everything and how it sounds great at low volumes, when you turn it up, it generally just keeps sounding good. If you mix your record at really high volumes and turn it down, you'll go, wow, this doesn't sound good. Um, so that, that, that's part of it, you know? Cool. And part of it is just having an ear for how you want it to sound. Yeah. So speaking of how you want it to sound, how would you describe a good guitar sound? Well, it, I mean, that's I can't I can't really say because there's so what's a good guitar sound? What kind of guitar sound are we going for? You know, so what's a good guitar sound? I, it, there's not one thing that's a good guitar sound. It's it's like, are you going for uh, the, you know, the edge Tom Petty kind of boxy thing, or are you going for? It, it's going to be a real amp. I can tell you that it's going to be a real amp. Um, it's probably not going to have a, a crap ton of bass in it. Uh, generally speaking, I think people in in more recent years have gotten kind of bass crazy. Um, with more modern amps, people have gotten bass crazy a little bit. It, there's got to be room for the bass player. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, uh, and, and, you know, also, you know, generally speaking, it's, it's probably a brighter tone than you think it is. And it probably has less gain than you think it has. So, um, like I get this all the time. Everyone wants more gain, more gain, more gain. And, you know, it's like, what is, what does Jerry Cantrell use? How does he use it? And I go, man, he, He's got one amp that's the, the BE channel and one that's the JBE channel. He's got two amps in tandem. So one's higher gain, one's less gain. And both the gains on both of those amps are around six. That's not that much. It's yeah. like crunchy, it's good. It's like nowhere near what you're trying to attempt to use. Mm -hmm. And And you find, I mean, like experienced people in the studio find that, you know, less and less and less gain gets a bigger, 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 better tone. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And even if you listen to some old, old records and things like I, I, I was listening the other day with, I have a, uh, Aerosmith rocks session. That's right off the console without, without vocals. So you can hear all the guitar parts like straight off the board. 
you know, no, no, no mastering, no mixing, no nothing. It's just straight off the board. And you can hear every guitar part, all the, you know, all the, um, how clean one part was from the other. And like, if you actually listen to it, it's like, damn, that guitar is really clean. Yeah. And this guitar is a little more distorted or maybe has a fuzz on it, you know, but, and like, and you listen to that and your guy going, that's nowhere near gain levels today, you know, mm, mm. but, but sonically the record sounds amazing. Yep. Yep. That surprises me. Um, when I see people who say they like the ACDC sounds and then they, they're playing and they've ACDC just- has no gain. Fuck no. No, that's right. It's, just, it's like, it's just like a little crunch. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all in how yeah. you hit it. Yeah. Got to hit that bloody thing. Yeah. You got to hit it. That you got to sure. Yeah. Yeah. You got to hit it like you mean it. Yeah. And that's what I really like about your amps. You know, I, I have actually had some guys say, oh yeah, I wouldn't mind getting, getting a Friedman, you know, B100 or B50 Deluxe. And I look at the way they play and I'm just like, I don't know if it's the air for you, man. You got to hit it and be able to control that, that amount of power. Mm-hmm. Um, not strum it like an acoustic guitar. It's no, 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 no. You got to learn to control that thing. And yeah, yeah, it's a controlled, yeah. controlled hit. Um, just getting the strings to slap against the, the fretboard in such a way that you get that. Yeah, you understand. Kapang, you know? Yeah. Exactly. You understand. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've, I find that if I set my gain to just above where it's, it's not enough, you know, I back it off till it's not quite enough and then just give it a little bit more and then yeah. fuck, there's, there's the magic. There's the clarity. You can hear every string. You can hear every mm-hmm. nuance of whether you're, palm muting something or hitting a big E chord with the open E and B strings that just ring out like magic. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's that's what it's about. Yeah. For me, it was, it was always the small box amp. Uh, the, the plexi channel on that. Yeah. Uh, it had that thing. You hit it hard and it's, it's distorted enough. You you don't hit it so hard. Just back off a little and, Clean channel, clean. not clean channel. Don't need no clean channel. It's right there. So I, I know you call that. Clean, you know. I know you call that a plexi channel on on the amp. Is that what type of plexi are you aiming for with that channel? I mean that. I mean that channel essentially, uh, for the most part, is a lead spec plexi channel um, with maybe a couple slight variations. Uh, if you were to turn that master to ten. And just use the volume like a plexi would be. Essentially, you have the signal path of a of a plexi. Yeah, I mean, I, I, give or take a couple little variances and parts. That's what you do. So, so, um, but down lower, it kind of behaves more like a crunchy, slightly crunchy ACDC sort of thing. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, but I mean, like if you do crank it, it's, it, it is it is that. Love it, love it, and I I'd, I'd sometimes throw a, a clean boost pedal in front of it if I just needed just a little bit more. Yeah, um, yeah, I found that it really took to pedals quite well. Weird, weird question. I know, we still got to get you an amp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, mate. Well, you know what? I was just well, about. You know, well, we had the fire and everything, so you know, dude. I was seriously, and you know, I've been talking to you a while about getting a, another small box, and I'd finally got myself in a, in a place financially where I could do it and I turn on Facebook one day and I see the fucking fire 
and I'm just like, I'm quite literally about to send Dave an email and say, let's fucking do it. And (laughs) so that opens up another topic there, the fire at Batik Amps Distribution. What the fuck happened, man? Well, it was, you know, it's quite simple that the fire happened. Uh, so there was a, uh, so there's, it, it's a, it was a very large building. It's like an 80,000 square foot building. And we used to occupy the whole entire building, but then we, at one point, the landlord wanted a raise. And so they, they consolidated to like 50,000 square feet. And so the back half of the building got leased to another company. Uh, it was like a construction firm or something. I don't know what they did exactly. And um, uh, so, you know, essentially what wound up happening was there were some homeless people that were camping out at the back corner of the building. By our, We had railroad tracks down the back side of our building. And they were by the back thing. And essentially we think that they sent, set it on fire by accident, I'm assuming. Uh, but it ignited something inside that went up in a blaze. And um, uh, so essentially, and it happened on a holiday. So no, no one was there. Um, and it, you know, got out of control before someone knew it was happening. And uh, it, it pretty much took down that 30,000 square feet of building to the, to the ground. Our half of the building was fine. I mean, it burned through the adjoining wall, so it was like kind of patchy burn through. You could see out the end of our warehouse in, into into the burned building. And, uh, and you know, all our stuff, you know, in the first 10 feet in from that wall was a little messed up, of course, because water and everything else. But, but the rest of it looked like nothing ever happened except smoke. Oh. So massive smoke damage so so that means you know everything gets thrown out i mean i mean like all the tolex all the packaging all the cardboard all the cardboard boxes and all the packaging for every product in the whole for the whole company the cardboard recyclers are coming like crazy stacking it up in their car like the size of a skyscraper taking it away you know oh man Um, and uh, and same with cabinets and stuff. It's got thrown away because it was it was just beyond. You couldn't salvage it. Um. So, uh, so then the the search is like, well, what are we doing? You know, so for like four weeks, it's like, are we staying here? Are we putting a wall in? Are we cleaning? Are we fixing? Are we refurbishing? What are we doing? So you know. And all the insurance stuff and everything. So uh, finally, finally, we had to move. So um, he, uh, the company, acquired a, a new building, and uh, over the course of the last two weeks, have essentially been moving. Okay. Yeah. So in the interim, though, we're making things in the old facility again. So. I've been testing amps for the last three weeks. Oh, cool. But we've been waiting for Tolex and Headbox and things like that for these amps and packaging, So, we, which we didn't have. So so th- there will be, you know, stuff to package and do. 
but all that's getting done in the new facility. Okay. So things are well on the way to being back on, on track then. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Dave. Take a, take a minute and the back orders, I'm probably going to be painfully long. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I'm still going to place that order soon, man. I'm still going to place that order soon. We were already painfully backordered, you know, from uh, just COVID. I mean, we had so much business. Yeah. Dave, I'm going to ask you about modelers. As I said to you before, I got a cool little clip of you uh, when we were sitting around drinking beer with the guys from Angle Amplification we're just talking about modelers, and it's a, it's the coolest thing. You're quite excitedly going, "Fuck the modelers! Fuck the modelers!" Uh, but you know, people keep telling me about oh the Axe Effects, yeah, the, the new new version, indistinguishable, totally indistinguishable. And I, I listen to some demos, and I'm I'm listening, and I go, I could totally hear the difference when they do an AB. What gives away for you when you're listening to? Um, comparison between a real amp and a modeler is there certain things that that I mean, I, I've, I've heard some comparisons to be honest that were that have been really really close so spot on uh you're i think you're going to notice more of a difference uh in how something that you did with a modeler sits in a track it's not going to sit the same way in a track it just won't yep. and also uh, on how it feels mm-hmm. um you're going to notice the impact it has. So you're not, you're going to get close. And I'm not saying that a modeler doesn't, there's a purpose for a modeler. Sure. I mean, I mean, sometimes that that's what it requires, you know? Um, it's just not so fun, <laughs> you know, it's not very fun. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, recently we started, uh, yeah, finally gave up, and I, I recently started doing some um, camper profiles and stuff with with Michael Nielsen. Uh-huh. Uh, we first did the naked uh, amp uh, because it really wasn't available and stuff. So yep. you know, uh, and we might do some more of that because you know what, and they're going to do it anyway. We might as well get the official ones that we think sound pretty good. Okay, you know, it's 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 going to get done no matter what we do. So you know, why not? give it our best shot you know yeah but um yeah it's it's just like it's you know the, the cool thing now is everyone's using like a lot of people are using load boxes and uh you know ua aux or, or two notes products or um you know Fryad or they're using load boxes and loads because they can use it in their apartments and things and uh the cool thing what that has done is sort of reignited people's interest in more vintage style circuits. So, you know, all of a sudden they're very interested in me doing a box or me, me doing a, uh, you know, vintage kind of plexi kind of thing. Yeah. Because these people now can use the, they can buy the amp and maybe they're not going to use it live, but they can use it for recording. Yeah. And, um, and are very interested in, in having it. You know, well, funnily enough, I just got a Kemper uh, a week or two ago myself, and have been sorting through a shit ton of profiles, and it's yeah, right. really That's funny. Problem, just to... right? Sorry, <laughs> That's the problem, right? There's too oh, many. 
you know, when you start sifting through thousands of them, you start hearing the common element amongst them. You, my ear starts tuning into the top end and the way it distorts and going, these all sound the fucking same. But I know that a two-rock amplifier doesn't sound a fucking thing like a 5150, but there's just a common thing going on in this camper. Um, now, I've got to say Michael Nielsen's profiles, uh, I've narrowed it down to about 35 usable, and mm-hmm. about half of those are, are Michael Nielsen's. Uh, the trouble I'm having is getting profiles that sound good through my studio monitors that then when I take a split out to go to my cabs to run on stage oh they just sound absolutely terrible uh, so do i get a full range system no no i'm just going to hold out and get get a, get a friedman amp again. <laughs> friedman friedman amp load box yeah there you go gonna get back into that Direct, right, yeah yeah so somewhere along the way with with friedman which was a shit hot amp company you decided to um get into guitars like yeah this one right here I'm just going to show this off. I'm just going to show this off for a second, mate. Yeah. Do it. Look at that. Beautiful. (laughs) Got to hide my eyes or else it wants to focus on my eyes, but we want to get the Friedman logo. No, it doesn't want to focus on that. This is gorgeous, man. Yeah. So um, I was very lucky in that... Uh, I think it's common knowledge now that, that Grover has moved to shop, yeah? Yeah, I mean, Grover I mean Grover has sort of um, not necessarily retired, but has, has moved to Nashville. He wanted to go home. He's from the Tennessee originally. And, uh, and he wanted to simplify his life a little bit. So, you know. Uh, and, and that was great. I mean, that's fine. I mean, we, we, are, we are continuing on. We have, uh, uh, you know, some of the same uh, people that are uh, are working with us, um, and we are going to continue to make the same quality product, uh, maybe even better. Okay, so I wasn't aware. I, I thought Grover was, had relocated to, to Nashville and that he was going to keep on making guitars for you guys, but not the case, huh? Well, no. There's going to be some models that he might might be making for us still, but okay. but, but he's he's not going to make guitars per se anymore. Sure, sure. At least the last thing. So we we're going to be we we've we had a contingency plan for his retirement. So okay, okay. Well, we haven't I, officially announced what that is exactly, but yeah, yeah. Well, I was very lucky that when I emailed you, um, that I you said that you had one left. Uh, in the factory, and you sent me a photo yep. of that, and I just went, "Mine, I'll have that, please." And man, what what a guitar! I've been loving it, absolutely loving yeah. it. Um, yeah, it's great. When it comes to designing the guitars, because you you've got Tele style, you've got Strat style. Oh, are we allowed to say Strat and Tele when yeah. we talk? <laughs> um, T style, S style, S style, <laughs> neck through styles. Um, yeah. Are these creations? Totally, things that you you've worked that worked up in your head and gone. Well, if I had my ultimate guitar, it would be blah blah blah. And then you go to went to Grover to refine those ideas. How did all that work? Well, I, def- I, I had definitive ideas exactly what I wanted from from the guitars and what what I wanted them to be. And um, we had actually started before Grover, so okay. Grover was 
Grover was his second guy. So, uh, yeah, Friedman Guitar started before Grover. So Okay. And will continue after. <laughs> okay. So, uh, uh, you know, um, it, most of this stuff was not made with Grover. It was made before Grover. Grover okay. just then came in and manufactured it with us. Yep. Um, so I, I'm not saying all of it, but um, but the, the the vintage S, the vintage T's were were all done before pre Grover. Oh, I didn't realize that. Nice. Yeah. And are these just all based on instruments that you've loved over the years, or well, just I mean, like, like I, you know, I, I've worked I worked in in the high end uh, equipment industry, so to speak. For a million years so um i mean i remember when tom anderson was just a little company and and you know and 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 don grosh guitar started up and i helped him with some stuff uh, early on so i mean i've been around these high-end guitars forever so i i knew specifically what what i wanted out of the guitar how it should feel how um uh, how i wanted it aged um, I personally like aged guitars. I don't care what anyone says. I like it because I can just throw it down and I don't care. Yep. You know, and, and, and that's more of it than anything. Yep. Um, and I know that everyone's argument about that, but I, I okay, don't buy it then. <laughs> uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, the, you know, I had a big base in vintage guitars and, and things, so I wanted something that, that was high-end, played well, but kind of felt like home, you know, like an old home, you know, old yep. guitar, yep. you know? Yep. And that's sort of what I was going after. Cool. Well, i got to say about the whole relic thing, um, when it comes to, to your guitars, I've said to you this to you before, that I've been to a couple of trade shows or YouTube events where um, – your guitars have been the second nicest on show to me, uh -huh. but the one that was first, man, you wouldn't play it. You'd, you'd keep it behind a cabinet, and you know, if someone said, oh, "I could play your guitar," you'd, you'd no, you might scratch it, or it was just too nice. Not yeah. You know, whereas yours is that comfortable old friend, and right. that's why I always gravitated at these events to grabbing one of yours and just going, "Yeah, this is where it's at. It's it's that old that old friend," and I absolutely. Absolutely love this one. Great. I have uh, – I had somebody lean it against the table and it's put a slight little indent on the back of the neck. I like it to be relic everywhere but the back of the neck. And it's like, uh, I think about that person every time I play around the seventh fret, let me tell you. But I'm going to do something to fill that. <laughs> well, you can, yeah, or yeah, or sand it a little bit. Sand a little – yeah, might have to do something like yeah. that. And try not Move to Move it out. Yeah, yeah. Now, Dave, um, I have this little thing over here. Yeah, small box pedal. Man, that sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. Um, yeah. Now, how much – there's no tubes in this, obviously, but the small box nope. does. Have you got some magic mojo going on in the circuitry – in the small box that you've put into this. So it's not really all about the tubes. I mean, you've got this sounding great. I've, I've got a little Vox practice amp, little hundred dollar pathfinder. Yeah. This through that sounds fucking mighty. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, it, it, that pedal came about just because we were, you know, I, I wanted to, I kind of started with some of the, the platform of the pedals we've made. And I started tweaking on it and just and just tweaking it and I tweaked it to a point where I loved it. So it just worked out great. So nice, nice. Again, just talking about that too much gain thing. Um, when I set that surprisingly low on the gain, it's so reactive. You know, you, if I want to hit it hard, yeah, I've got that Malcolm Young thing happening. If I back off, no, ooh, is that clean or is that pushed clean? Or hard to tell. So yeah. you've nailed the dynamics in that one. Yeah, it's a good pedal. It's a great yeah, pedal. Yeah. yeah. Mate, if you had to play somebody else's amp, not your own. Oh boy. Oh. That's a that's a it's a tough question, isn't it? Hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. Or would you is it springing to mind something like, well, I'd want, you know, this for my clean and this for my my dirty and this for my lead. I mean, I, I would I would probably vacillate toward, towards some sort of vintage plexi type thing. Yep. Uh, most likely. I mean, that's because that's where, you know. Uh, I mean, if I, ha I had to play someone else with that. Hmm. That's a tough one. It is, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Not that I I'm mean, asking. like, you know, I brought, I brought up on a show the other night. I mean, there's some people that do some really good Lexi clones that yep. I would I would say this guy in Nova uh, well somewhere in Canada named Dr. Dan amps and he does great like Marshall clone amps of all eras and kinds because it came up because someone was like would you make a uh, black flag 50 and I'm like I, I just don't have the time yeah <laughs> I could but I just don't have the time but I'll tell you this guy can make you one cool cool um so uh so he does really nice work have you seen many now, clones of thank you again for mentioning him on yet another show <laughs> have you seen many clones of your amps getting around not really no no i've i've seen a couple sort of there, there's a couple there's a there's been a i mean a couple people i it's funny i i had someone that bought a uh some guy who regretted it bought a BE clone, B100 clone off mm -hmm. the internet because, well, it was cheaper. Uh, I think some guy had made it and was just selling it. And he was – it's funny. His friend approached me for him. He's like, yeah, he bought this thing and he hates it. Would you be willing to fix it? <laughs> I'm like, sure, but I'm not exactly sure what I'm getting into here, so I, I don't know exactly what it's going to cost. But um, yeah, let me show me a picture before I say yes. And he showed me a picture, and it's relatively like you know I could turn it into something, make it proper. Yeah, uh, and you know it was relatively right. It was just it's just some poor choices and some components and things. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Dave, I'm just going to give a, a let the people in the chat room um, know that I, I haven't been keeping an eye on that because uh, I like to talk to my guests and give them my attention. I'm an ADD kid who can't, who's easily distracted. But well, guys, just, if you have any I questions. The, I just found the chat room. <laughs> you just found the chat room? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so 
folks, if you've got any questions for Dave, now's the time to, to drop them and I'm going to start scanning through and finding some questions as well. But I just have uh, another question for you, Dave. The JJ Jr., or D- Double J Jr., he calls it a Double J, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jr. has EL84s in it as opposed to right. 34s in, mm-hmm. in the big one. Now, yeah. I generally don't like 84s in an amp. It, it, it doesn't have that push the note jumps forward when I'm palm muting like like the big brothers but you've somehow managed to nail that in that amp did you try that did I try yeah no I haven't I actually haven't no. yeah I mean there's a video out there that we did from Nam where we were switching between the big one uh, with an amp switcher and the little guy and yep. uh, and the person they, they couldn't tell which one they were on yeah so um no, it's it's just like yeah. I sat there and I sat there and tweaked it until I, I I felt that it sounded basically the same. Yeah. I mean, granted, there's not not the headroom that you have, but at a moderate volume, it's the same. Yeah. Cool. I, I have tried the the double double J junior, and I've tried the double J head, but never a bead to give a oh, fair yeah, comparison. Yeah. No, but it, no, it's 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 big. It's a yeah. So throw that misconception about EL eighty fours. And I think that's a total misconception, actually, yep. to be honest. I mean, yep. even if you a, a top boost Vox AC30, a proper one, an old one, you could compare that to a Plexi Marshall, and it would be very similar in characteristics. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's anything small sounding. Yep, yep. No. Cool. I think maybe it's just I'm used to um, smaller, cheaper amps using the 84s, and it just doesn't have that that girth. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I asked you what what you a good guitar sound is for me. I, I want to have that clarity of being able to hear all the different um, strings individually. Like if I can, if I play a chord, a D chord, but then I throw in a major seven and I can't hear that. It just turns to what I call cat hiss. Mm-hmm. It just goes, it's like, nah, that's not the amp for me. When I'm palm muting, each note should pop forward, not get soaked yeah. back in. Um, is that an output transformer thing? The, notes popping forward when you're, when you're palm muting or is that some other voodoo? I don't know. You don't know. You <laughs> I just, I just, I just kind of tweak it till it sounds right. I, yeah. You know. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. And you know, man, that, that really brings to life for me. Like there's a lot of guys who are masters at what they do who aren't trained in, you know, the, you said you were self-taught. Um, yeah that just tweak until it sounds good. It's the same like with mix engineers, you know, yeah. some, some guitar players, no idea what they're doing, mm-hmm. but it's just brilliant, you know? Um, so just some of your answers there, it, it, it seems like that that's what you do. Right? You just, you just tweak until it sounds good. Uh, essentially. Yeah. I mean, you know, but by, by now, I mean, by now I know on paper what it's going to sound like. Yeah. It's kind of. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, Cool. It's uh, that's hard to explain, but you, you do over over time after yeah. doing messing with things for so long. So, Dave, when it comes to mods, you're still modifying people's amps for them. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. They're and everywhere, 
One thing that I see asked a lot on um, in your Facebook groups is what mods are available. Is is there a list that people can find those somewhere, or is it one of those things? If you can think it, just send you an email and ask. Uh, it's best if you just email me, and then I, yeah, I don't I, I don't necessarily have a list. Um, it's best if you just email me and tell me what you're after, really. Cool. Because I can. I, there's a variety of things you, we can do, um, depending on what you're going after. Cool, cool. I guess, folks, as I said. Now's the time to drop some questions. I'm going to start going through here. Uh, the Wife Whisperer. As I said, that I've heard you refer to that before. That comes from your Jakey Lee interview, doesn't yeah, it? So it comes, yeah. That's all, that's, yeah. <laughs> Watch the episode and you'll understand. <laughs> okay. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of shout outs as usual. Oh, Rich Rankin was there saying, hey, Dave. I had hey, Rich, Rich on, Yeah, I had Rich on uh, a few weeks ago. He showed us around What's the happening? factory. Hey, Rich Rankin, if you're listening, I, I want to get you on our show. Yes. It was a great chat. Yeah. Uh, hi, Dave. Can you please talk about your involvement with George Lynch in the design of the Randall Brahma module? How does it compare in voicing compared to the small box cleaner Plexi channel? Mm-hmm. Brahma has more gain than, than, than the small box Plexi channel. Um, what was my involvement with that? Well, they, they, they had paid me to, to design this with George and we, we came up with some, I, I designed all three of the modules that he had and um, we, George and I tweaked on it together until we came up with what we had. I don't know how I can explain the difference in the, what the Brahma is exactly. I mean, it's, uh, it's a slight different take on a, on a hot rotted, uh, uh, Marshall sort of circuit. It has more gain than say the plexi channel of the small box uh, for sure. It doesn't have quite as much as gain as a BE channel does. So um, uh, I, I, you know it's been a while since I actually like like a bead something like that. So that's a good question. <laughs> it's been a while. That's a long time ago. <sighs> Mate, I'm just getting through. There's more shout outs. There's a buddy of mine there, Skits, he's, he's known as, uh, and I've been telling him he needs to get a Friedman, and he's just saying that he re- recently picked up a Double J Junior. And oh, I think I might see that maybe. Yeah, or by far the best amp he's owned. Yep. Told you, Skitsy. Uh, <laughs> Tone Talk. Hey, guys. So Mark, Mark's in there watching. Uh, hey. We got three minutes there. More shout-outs. I'm not going to read out all Michael the shout-outs. Michael Torrin's in there watching. Who was that, sorry? Michael Torrin. He's been on our show. And okay. Stuff, so yeah. friends with Michael Nielsen and us. Yep. Hey, Michael. Uh, Gonzalo Cordovas is there. Thanks for the Pisco again, years later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm looking too. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about the radio silence, folks. We're, we're both scanning through the questions there. No point reading out all the shout-outs. We know we're great. <laughs> I say that in jest. Um, okay, someone was asking somebody else about their thoughts on modelers. 
Dave, what is the best amp you've ever made? Did you get it right the first time? Best amp I ever made? Shoot. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. All of them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I was thinking that myself. Like, is it one of those things where you, you spend a lifetime designing something in, in your head and that's the, the original BE? And then is that a case of, well, we'll need to make some different things, but... Every every new amp is the best new amp. It's yep. the best. Yeah. So everyone's a, a refinement. Yeah. Every, 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 yeah, yeah. Every newer one is a, a better from the first one. I don't know. It, but, you know, it is for the time you do it. You know. Okay, still scanning through. This is why I don't go through these as we're talking because I, I find it very distracting. Somebody could be talking going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, you're reading all the, the comments. Uh, just tuned. Someone's just tuned in. Has Dave talked about the vintage series amps he's going to do? The AC has me hella intrigued. I yeah I, I just read that comment. Uh, I mean, have we talked about? It? I mean, we touched on it just a little bit, but um, th there will be a vintage series. Uh, uh, how soon? I'm not exactly sure yet. We're kind of in limbo at the moment uh, with all that was going on, and we have a lot of catching up to do on on you know. You, you can't exactly release something new when you you haven't delivered back orders. You know, hey, here's our new amp. We got it for you. Here you go. You can get it. Well, what about the amp I ordered last year? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we have some we have some catching up to do for sure. Yep. How long do you think it's going to take until you you're back on top of things? Well, we got to finish moving first. So, yeah, it, it, it's you know, I, uh, I mean, we're we're in the midst of doing stuff, but um, I I, I can't even say. I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Now, when are we going to be done moving? Maybe by the end of the month. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a guess there. I haven't seen the factory in a week. So I'm going there tomorrow. So I'll know better tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. I just thought, um, I, I hear there's like an electronics shortage um, when it comes to chips. Does this affect you guys? Like, Well, um, it doesn't affect us too much because we're not doing anything digital. Mm. Uh, at the moment, we have some products we'd like to do, but um, might be postponed along with many other people's uh, stuff. You know, you know, if we're going to do anything with IR loaders or something, it's an issue. You know? Yeah, right. Uh, still scanning through the. Oh, here we go. Favorite Celestian speaker from Bernie. Uh, 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 selection greenback, probably. Yep. I mean, I like a vintage thirty-two. It just depends on the kind of music you're doing. Are you and one for uh, Vox Blue also? <laughs> What's that? Sorry, Vox Blue also. Vox Blue as well. Yeah. yeah Are you yeah, one for uh, mixing speakers in a cab? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's what we. That's our standard cab is mixed. It is. Yeah. Two greenback, two vintage thirties. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, if you were to mic up one of those cabs. Which speaker would you mic? 
depends. Uh, it, 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 it depends on the type of music you're playing. Yep. You know, I mean, a vintage 30 has a lot of cut and a lot of sizzle and uh, can be quite good. Um, the greenback is, is woodier and darker and nicer, but less punch, uh, you know, and, and both blend them. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah I, I did something similar um, with some vintage 30s and I always forget what's the, the ones that normally came with the JCM 800, the GT 75s. Yeah. Yeah. I did a little experiment where I cross pollinated both my boxes with that. And yeah, that, that opened up the sound of it incredibly. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It can be good. Uh, what's this one? All in capitals. Stop shouting. Mr. Friedman, would you ever consider doing a rack run of some kind? Maybe limited production run Friedman rack amps. An amp? Probably not. A preamp? Maybe. I'd be I'd be um, all over that preamp, man, if you came out with a preamp. A preamp, maybe. A preamp, maybe. Midi I've recall? been asked to do that a few times, and I've, I've been... I've been... Uh, Mulling that over. Yeah. Or is that something that you like, well, there's the Synergy gear. The Synergy does that. I mean, essentially. So, you know, why? Uh, if you want to just simpler, though, and not have all the bells and whistles and just something, you know, great sounding. Um, yeah. Like a BE Deluxe in a single rack space. Geez, that'd be nice. Something like that. <laughs> uh Another one from Skits. Are the P90 pickups good sound for gain with the JJ Junior amp? P90 sure. with the JJ. Yep. Yep. Sure. I mean, the P90 sound killer. Uh, I mean, it is. It's a different tone. And if you're not familiar with how a P90 sounds, I don't know. But I mean, it's 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 a great snarly, great rock and roll tone for sure. But it, it's not hum canceling, so you know you do you will have to deal with that, and especially mm. into a high gain amp. I do enjoy the sound of a P90, uh, and just that that in between of the definition, the cut of a single coil, and that push that a humbucker gives towards yeah. your amp. It's it's that that in between. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Uh, Scott Satira, hey Scott, how you doing, man? I've been seeing you putting all the likes on my, my channel lately. You must be going through my, my interviews. Hi, Dave. Which hard rock or metal guitar player has your favorite sound for an epic chorus outro? And which one of your amps does that job? I don't even know what that means exactly. For, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I should have read ahead. Which hard rock metal guitar player has your favorite sound for an epic chorus outro? Well, outro. like that's part of, I mean, like part of the song. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the song. I mean, yeah. I don't, uh, uh, you know, favorite guitar players, uh, from my era, which I do believe most of the great signature guitar tones were, were created, so to speak. It was, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, like from the eighties era, you know, you have, you know, obviously Eddie Van Halen and, and you have, uh, uh, Warren Martini and George Lynch and, and, uh, Akira Takasaki and, um, I'm a big fan of Ty Tabor also. Um, and, um, 
I'm sure I'm forgetting some. John Sykes. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think I, I think you know that that era probably for rock guitar tones had some of the best guitar tones ever recorded. Yeah. You know, you, you can also go back to the '70s. You know, you know, and and fantastic tones. You know, like uh, you know various Led Zeppelin tones and Aerosmith, and you know, there were there were amazing things created then too. You know, um, which kind of then morphed into what became the '80s. Yeah. And then, you know, and then even, you know, there were great stuff even into the 90s, you know, and and great bands that I, I think that had great. I mean, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains and, you know, um, I mean, I even left Nirvana, you know, uh, Pearl Jam. I mean, like all like there, there were great guitar sounds on all that stuff, too. So you, you just mentioned Allison Chains, and you do make um, Jerry's signature amp. What what does somebody like Jerry Cantrell or Steve Stevens come to you and and ask for? Like, is, is it a case of, hey, I have this amp, I just want something that sounds like that, or do they have a sound in their well, head? Um. <clears throat> well, with Jerry, it was it was more like he he had already tried one of my early uh, Marsha amps um b100 so to speak uh and he was already liking that and then and using it and then at one point i kind of approached him and goes how about we just do kind of i i had already sort of developed it with him uh and tweaked a few things in his amps and uh because he originally had one um he would have one heavier amp and one lower gain amp, which was the Marsha originally. And then he'd have another amp like a Uber shawl or various other things uh, to go with it. And then eventually like, well, what if I can develop something higher gain also that you can use in that slot? And then, you know, I did. And then he started using two, two of the amps. And then I'm like, how about we just do your own model? And like how you want it to look, what you want it to be called, and 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 all that. We had already sort of developed the the, the sounds over time, and then we, we came up with the look, and it's a very successful. Our our most successful signature. Cool, cool. Yeah, and the twenty watts are on fire. I mean, they all they always sell. So well, they're they're a great price, aren't they? Great, yeah. great, yeah, great, great price point in comparison. So, am I right in thinking that the big one is a point-to-point hand-wired, whereas the smaller is uh, using a board? A PC board. Yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference in sound to you between the two? No. 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 Okay. Put that one to bed right not there. Really. Huh? Yep. No, not really, not at all. And 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 like I don't I don't feel that that uh, PC board makes any difference in tone uh, from uh, uh, hand-wired either. Uh, and in fact, in many respects, the PC board's a better way of doing it. You can actually get parts closer to let shorter signal paths and parts closer to uh, where they're going and less wire and capacitance. It's actually closer to what's technically called point to point, where where point to point technically is parts literally transversing tube sockets that with no no turret board or anything. It's like like no wire <laughs> okay and it's actually closer to that because you can put the parts where they, they need to go and uh it's 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 actually cleaner i mean you know mm. so mm. 
I might have to, and, uh, and, 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 and you, you know, don't, don't, you know, people say, well, well, you can't mount the tube sockets to the board and this and that. No, if you, if you do the circuit board thick and properly double-sided uh, two ounce copper boards that are thick and you, 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 the tube sockets are bolted to the chassis still. So the power tubes aren't getting torsion and, we don't have any problems with our run series amps as far as, as uh, tube sockets on PC boards or anything. Never. No, never. Not even the 50 watt. No. Cool. Doesn't happen. Cool. Because it's done right. I might have to investigate some of uh, the the PC board Friedman's um, and see if one of those floats my boat. It's a bit hard over here, mate. It's There's not a dealer within yeah. a very far <laughs> distance i'm relying on youtube videos and the like yeah. uh some more questions here dave um not sure if you touched on this any amps with internal load slash irs on the horizon uh could be although the way the world has gone right now everything's kind of on hold with that kind of product because of the chip shortage mm-hmm. so so could be might be delayed. Okay. Uh, is the Golden Pearl OD cutting base when engaged? No. No? No. It, it's it's quite full sounding. It's okay. not uh, It by no means uh, like you lose your base at all. Uh, <laughs> not really related, but do you know who the new bass player for Megadeth is? <laughs> No idea. <laughs> no insider knowledge. <laughs> no. Um, uh, Skitsy's asking if Dave started off as a, as a sparky electrician before moving on to amplifiers, but now we covered that. No. Uh, I like the story about Phil X trying an amp at NAM and dropping the gain from where all the chug wankers had cranked. Okay, so does yeah, Phil play with a lot less games? Yeah, I mean, uh, so that story uh, was the LA Amp Show, actually. And uh, how that story worked was, uh, so we, we had a setup going, and everyone was coming in there, and of course they had all the gains cranked and everything. And, and, and Phil comes in, and I kind of know who he is. Uh, I hadn't met him that yet, but I knew who he was. And uh, he comes in and plugs in and turns it on and, and it turned it up quite loud, but turned the gain down to like five or six. And and I came up, I go, thank you. <laughs> You're the first person that's done that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just played his ass off. So Cool. It was fun. It's funny that whole too much gain thing. Um, I was at a guy's place a few months back and he was trying out an amp that I was selling and he just had the amp, the gain just ridiculously maxed out. And he was trying, he had a noise gate in the front of it and one in the effects loop and things were just crapping out. And he's like, oh, don't know, don't know about this. You know, it, it's, it's, there's this weird noise. And I'm like, man, how about you? back the gain off because without you your um your gate pedals on it was just a squealing mess and um i don't know how he thought he'd get any definition or anything out of having the game that cranked but am i right in thinking that when you worked with eddie van halen he was always searching for more gain 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He he liked the gain in later years for sure. Uh, yeah. But I think he was always kind of searching for that kind of stuff. Um, it, it just made it easier for him to play the way he did, you know, especially in, in, in later years, you know, like, like I think he said once that it's very hard. It was hard. It's hard. It's hard to play the plexi, you know, <laughs> you got to work hard at it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, it's not, it's not so simple, especially the way he played. Sure. Sure. Now that one thing about Eddie, um, is that he used lighter strings than what people would, would think. Like he was nine to 40, but tuned down a half step. And I saw Rick Beato do a big video about the sound of string gauges. string gauges. And that was based on a conversation with you. Uh, yeah. How did, how did your ear pick up onto that, that lighter string gauges might actually sound better for guys playing the heavier music? Well, okay. When, when, well, not necessarily, but, when you're talking about Van Halen, you're talking about a, a, a plexi style super lead amp on 10. So that can, some people deem it as slightly loose sounding, not quite as tight as say mo- some modern amps and stuff. And, 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 and in reality, when you, when you wind up using the nine gauge strings with it, it's it's way 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 tighter. There's less bass frequencies. It's just uh, it's less apt. It's it's part of the sound. It's part of that recipe. Because uh, like if you put a set of elevens on a, on a guitar versus say a set of nines, and you just listen to the same guitar into the same amp, you all of a sudden with the guitar with elevens on it, you're you're all of a sudden turning the treble up and turning the presence up and turning the bass down and and you're doing all this stuff because the string, it's it's you know thicker, it sounds thicker, and you don't need that with the super lead. Okay. Yeah. Yep. You know, I, I, all those classic guys, like all those old guys, like you know, like Tony Iommi, like eights or nines, Billy Gibbons, eights. Like this was a common practice in the old days in the mm. 70s kind of the lighter gauge strings yep i was really yeah. surprised uh a year or two ago i was having some issues with um rsi and tendonitis and uh a friend of mine bernie gave me a set of eights um to try on my guitar and i thought oh this is just going to be stupid and i liked it the the yeah. fight wasn't there in in the guitar is one of those things that yeah. uh I think I was more limited by my imagination. My fingers could do more of what I wanted without having yeah, to yeah, fight it to yeah. actually do it. And did my tone go backwards? Not noticeably. I thought it was going to sound yeah. terrible, but not at all. No, no, not at all. It, it might sound better. Be yeah, honest. yeah. And as you said, man, everyone was in the eights. Uh, sorry, in the in the eights. Everybody in the seventies was using eights. Yeah, eights, nines. I think, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I got another question there from Gonzalo. So, Dave, how close is your sat switch is from Jose's? Uh, the sat switch is 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 definitely uh, stolen from from some of his stuff. So, uh, it's uh, uh, it's it's a little different though. I use a different value capacitor, and and technically, it. Uh, well, in a Jose amp, the um, 
saturation circuit, if it's in there, a lot of them don't have it. Um, there's a, 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 a push-pull pot for the master volumes, and it's where that master is placed. The saturation components are always in there, but it sounds radically different if the master is in front of the EQ, which is one mode, or post-EQ, like a normal master volume. And, um, and the saturation pre-EQ will seem more exaggerated and more gain than it will post-EQ, but the circuit's always in there. Essentially, what I have there is the post-EQ saturation circuit with a couple, some tweaked values. And, and to be honest, it's not really my thing. I put it in there for shits and giggles. I, I, don't, I don't really use it myself. Okay. It's just that little added feature that some people really like. Cool, cool. Now, I know like you, some of your apps, you got like, is it called the C45 switch? Mm-hmm. What does that do? C45 just changes the voicing of the BE channel, kind of. Uh, it, it, it adds a little, um, it's a little more low end, a little more gain, a little more glassy top. So uh, it's, uh, some people deem it as more kind of vintage Marshall-y sort of. Just a different, slightly different voicing. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, Dave, do you prefer 6L6 power sections or EL34 slash 84 sections, generally speaking? 6L6 uh, or EL. Wait, what was that? 6L6 or what? Or EL34 slash 84. Well, it depends on the amp. 606 can be great. Uh, so can the EL34. So can the EL84. It depends on how the amp's designed and if it's designed around that too. I use all three. Yep. You know, I, I do remember having a Randall RT250, the yeah. Bruce Agnator designed. Oh, power amp, yeah. Yeah, 606 and, and EL34s. That was yeah. great to be able to switch between the two and mm-hmm. be able to hear the, the, the difference. Uh, it yeah. was a while ago, but from memory, I think the 6L6s to me had more of that chimey top end and, and extreme low end as opposed to the 34s. Am I yeah, the 34s can be a little more scoop sounding, actually. Yeah? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. As I said, it was softer. a while ago. A little softer. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So do you choose the power section depending on how the preamp is, is shaping up? Uh, the designing? Uh... <laughs> I mean, the, the only thing I use 6L6s for, uh, well, the only two amps that I used them for was our Bucks and Betty amp, and I used them I used them for the Twin Sister and or the Dirty Shirley, which is really just the Twin Sisters, just the progression from the Dirty Shirley. Okay. Uh, I did that because the, the power sections of those amps were based on the JTM45, or at least on the Shirley, and that originally was more of a 6L6-based amp. Well, it kind of came from the basement originally, so yeah. Yep. yep. I'll just see if there's any other questions there. <laughs> you must be sick of this one. Why does a Double J Junior have no standby switch? Because <laughs> you don't need a standby switch on AMP. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Damn you, Leo Fender, for introducing it, right? It was him that yeah, first put it in exactly. there? Yeah. Yeah. And... Not needed. Um, Dave, you've worked on EVH's infamous 
Plexi, the super lead. Yeah. Uh, and you told me when we were in Germany at, at 42 Gear Street that uh, you bought, you had another period correct amplifier, almost the same, that you pulled the wire out of to get the, the period correct wire to, to restore, to, to restore it. Yeah, it. Yeah. At some point in time, the amp had been rewired with uh, Teflon wire. And I don't know when or what, but we were trying to get this back to what it would have been originally. So we actually pulled the vintage wire out of another Plexi Marshall to use in his main Marshall. And in doing so, did you discover that there was anything different about his Marshall that made it so glorious or? I mean, it just, it's, 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 no, not really. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's the... It's just that era Plexi Marshall uh, with a few little tiny tricks in it, which I've talked about before, and uh, and setting it up properly with the right tubes and with the variac, and and then voila, you get what you get. And how much does the variac actually really make a difference? Oh, that's a, that's a huge part of it. It is, yeah. Yeah, huge part. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The squishiness and the feel of it, uh, and how you bias it with that—it makes that that sort of makes the tone. Very unrelated question just popped up: <laughs> Detroit, Chicago, or New York pizza? Uh, uh, I, is there a difference? I, I didn't. Know oh, there's a difference. There there's is definitely yeah. a difference. Polar opposites. Uh, Detroit and New York. Can I say both? Because they're very different. Uh, like both. Uh, I, I do like Chicago too, but I gotta be in the mood. Uh, so uh, you know, maybe Detroit. Okay. See, I I didn't know there was a difference. I actually live above yeah. a a pizza hut, and I had to uh, curb my pizza habit. <laughs> <laughs> because I turned from a skinny guy to a fat guy very quickly uh, going down there every night. Uh, might have had to do with the chocolate ice cream chaser that I'd have as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave, you mentioned um, the things that, that Jerry was asking you for in his amps. Yeah. How about someone like Steve Stevens? Because I, I, I think out of well, the it, that, that developed over time too. I mean, it was just like – I remember, I think I said to Steve once, I go, you know, what you were known for is your plexitones. That's what you were known for. And now you're like so far away from it. You know, like you were using 5150 amps at the time and you're pretty far away from it. And like, why don't we get you back to your plexitones, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, we worked on some amps together and stuff. First, there was a blank and ship amp and that I, I did for him that he liked. And, and then there, it was, um, then we tweaked that. And then he, he had other early amps. And then finally we just said, Hey, let's, why don't we just do a model? And, uh, you know, he explained to me what he wanted and we sat there and I knew what he wanted. I knew, I knew what he was going for. I knew what the, his legacy tone was, so to speak. Yeah, and, and and if that was the goal, but he said maybe a little fatter on single notes, that was kind of it. Cool, cool. Because you're right, he did stray over to fifty on fifty, and then he had the the Randall MTS. For as a minute, well. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, was that 
was he using modules modified by you? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That that was that my was exp- a very short lived though. Okay. That was my exposure to um, the Friedman sound was when I was an MTS guy and uh, had an SL plus module, which he told me was uh, a prototype you'd done for Steve. And uh, man, the sound of that thing was just killer. That's uh, that's what you can hear on my little sting thing that I play for my branding. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was an awesome way to get into the sound. Then I had you do a brown eye mod to a uh, Jet City 20 watt yeah. uh, amp. And, uh, and that was killer just for a one channel little 20 watt yeah. amp. Um, people are like, how are you, how are you changing, man? And where, where's your channel switching? It's like volume control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that hard, 20 maybe. watts just wasn't quite loud enough. It wasn't a very loud 20 watts. Like I, I couldn't bump it up just enough to solo over the band. I'd get, right. get lost a little. It'd just start soaking it up in the power section. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things. It's like a drug, man, that, that, that Friedman sound. Uh, I love it. I need my fix. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been going through all the profiles around trying to um, see if I can find something that captures that that Friedman top end. And everyone just gives, like when they have a Friedman preset, like an Axe FX or Kemper and that kind of thing, They, it's always a very exaggerated top end and it's not that pleasant top end that you've got. It's a, it's a narky in your face thing. Well, that's because it's not the real amp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I've got a, a quite an important gig coming up uh, just over a week's time uh, with a whole bunch of 80s pop stars that I, I tend to play with. And they all know me for the first run of shows that I did using my small box. And they're all like, man, what did you use last time? It wasn't as good as, as that other, that, that that great old Marshall that they all keep calling it. <laughs> they're, all, they're all going blind. Yeah. They all need their glasses. Um, so I did see that. Skits was in the chat room and he's just bought a, a Double J Junior. I might see if I can lend that for the show because I've been trying a there few other things. It's just not cutting it. No, no, these guys are going to want to hear. There you go. The real deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any more questions for Dave, guys, before I round things up? Um, speak now, forever hold your peace. And in the meantime, I, I want to say thanks, Dave, for um, being the man behind the tones. And right. yeah. And just for your support as well, mate. I know you've got your own little uh, chat show, little chat show. It's my favorite chat show to watch on YouTube, Tone Talk <laughs> with Mark. And yeah. Um, yeah, now you guys have been very, very kind to me behind the scenes, as I say, um, helping each other out and hooking up guests and, and the like. And just, it was 20 episodes in when I had you guys on on this show that I found the comfort zone of, eh, just fucking just talk. Okay, yeah. we got a question. Okay. How similar are the small box Wildwood second and third channel versus BE 50 second channel? Well, B 50 second channel would be a BE channel if you're refer if you're properly referring to the second channel because there's a third channel on the B 50 which is a HB. Uh, uh, and that would be very similar with the small box Wildwood second channel. Be very, very similar. It's a, it's basically a B channel. The amps sound a little different because the power sections are a little different and things. Um. So the third channel, though, of the small, the Wildwood, is basically has a saturation circuit 
uh, in with it. So it's kind of like the sat off of the uh, B50. So similar. <laughs> Very similar. Okay. But the power sections and the filtering and the amps in a small box and a B50 are different. So in the end, it comes out different. It feels a little different. It, it, it sonically sounds a little different. Dave, have you ever thought about um, having a, a graphic EQ built into your amp so that you can the, the player can really fine tune to the speaker cabinets that they're they're running, or do you think that would detract from the tone? I I mean I don't I don't hate the idea uh, of though you know I mean Fryat's done that for years, Boogie did it for years. Um, I, I, I mean I don't hate the idea, but part of me also likes the simplicity of not having something like that. Yep. You know, because it's just too much. I, you know, give, give give them the option; they'll wreck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know a few guys that just don't have an ear for it, and if they've got the options, they're going to take it really backwards. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's how always, I feel. yeah. But then you get guys who are. You know, I, I've got a uh, Ignator tweaker over here, uh, and I love that lamp in in being able to flick the switches and hear what it does and you got to know what you're chasing before you start going down that, mm-hmm. that road, don't you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, Dave, I think that's it for the questions in there. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Mate, I am going to thank you again for your time and for coming on. And I'm going to pick your brains just a little about something when we get off here, but Okay. Thanks to everybody that, that watched and please like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff that I forget to ask people to do because people tell me I'm getting some great guests on, but the YouTube algorithm hasn't picked up on me yet. Um, got a few more in, in the pipeline, which I'm hoping they, they all happen. Um, it's just a matter of locking in dates. I've got yeses from some, some great people. Um, once again, Dave, thank you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you wish you had one of these for your show so you could do that? You know, I buttons. know, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so thanks, folks. Thanks, Dave. I'm going to hit my end screen button with the really cool sound clip with my old uh, Randall module that Dave yep. had tweaked for me, and it sounds something like this.